Joey Lyons, the wealth woman. Hi, I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group. Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. So today we're going to talk about something really, really exciting, disability insurance. <laughs> Before Happy you, like, <laughs> Happy New Year, let's start with the driest topic we can start with. But this is actually kind of a fun topic. So my, my background was, for a long time, was manufacturing. So supply chain, logistics, all that kind of fun stuff. And the, the running joke, or I think it was an aphorism or a, true, a truism, I think, with manufacturing is what we call the good, fast, cheap triangle. Uh, so every client, every customer that walked in the door wanted the product really good, high quality, reliable. They wanted it yesterday, and they want to pay no money for it. And so the, the joke was is that the client wants all three, but really they only get to pick two. So if right. they want it good and fast, it will be cheap. If they want it fast and good, it's going to take a while. Or fast and good, it's it's uh, not going to be very cheap, right? It's going to be really expensive. And but at that that trade off, where of the three things that everyone wants, you really get to pick two. And and that's kind of when I look through that model, I find that there's three things everybody wants, and you only get to pick two. Uh, to be true across my life, uh, across products, across financial instruments, it it seems to be a truism across multiple things beyond just manufacturing. Right. Well, and I definitely think there's parallels when you're talking about disability insurance, because if I think about that kind of triangle, if you will, I think the right. first point is the contract language and the definition of disability, because some contracts are going to have a very broad definition and some are going to have a very narrow definition of what constitutes a disability. So that contract definition is that first kind of point. And right. then I think the second one is the benefits that you receive in the event of disability. So you get to choose whether it's a lot of money coming your way or a smaller amount of money coming your way. And then the third one is the cost, which is what you're paying in premium, right? So if you say, I want, I want to know that if I just can't do the job I'm doing right now, um, that I, it counts as I'm disabled and I don't want to pay a lot in premiums, well, then the insurance company gets to decide the dollar amount of the benefits that come to you. So if they have a broad definition of disability, as opposed to like a very specific definition, and you're paying low cost, then the reality is you're probably not going to get a lot of benefit or a lot of dollars coming to you right. in the event of a disability. But if you said, look, I, wanna, I want really broad contract definitions so it works out in my favor, because if I'm paying for coverage, I want to make sure if I'm disabled, I actually get a check. Um, right. And then I want really robust benefits. So I want as much money as I can get. Well, guess what? The insurance company is going to control the cost and it's probably right. going to be on the expensive side, you know, and if you, if you look at it as I want really low cost and really high benefit in the event of disability, then the insurance company is going to control the definition of disability and it will probably be very narrow. Right. And so right. you've got to be on your deathbed with no arms and legs. And, you know, basically it's 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 a very tight version of what happens. Right? right. And there's you know, when you look at specifically contract definitions, um, I tend to lean in favor of uh, own occupation definitions, which means if right. you can't do the job that you were doing at the time of disability, that you are truly disabled for purposes of the contract but there are other, other definitions out there. So sometimes the definition is if you can't do something that your experience and education qualify you for, 
right? Which is slightly less broad because maybe I can't do the job I was doing at the time I became disabled, but I could be a professor teaching about what I was doing before, right? right. Then technically I wouldn't be disabled under that definition. Whereas if I, I was in a situation where maybe I just didn't have the mental faculty any longer to do it, but I could tear tickets at a movie theater, um, then, right. you know, right. that, that's different. You could right? do and something, right? Anything. Right. And then some right. contracts are the social security definition of disability, which essentially means if you're receiving a disability check from social security, then they'll cover the difference or something like that uh, right. in terms of what they initially committed to. So there, there are very broad variations in what that definition looks like. And we even right. sometimes see tiered contracts where maybe initially it's own occupation and then it slides into right. education and experience and then eventually becomes um, true disability in terms of the social security definition. So that's something that you have to pay a lot of attention to. Yeah, but I think that contract language piece of it is such a cool, it's an area where a good practitioner for setting up disability insurance can really paint with a lot of brushes, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe you just wanna make sure that if I've got a hangnail uh, and it's a persistent hangnail that I'm getting paid out for it, maybe a little bit more intense than a hangnail, but right, but maybe it's, I'm only gonna get that for about five years so that I've got a, I've got a shot at sort of retooling, trying to figure out what I wanna go do next. I'm, I'm buying time. And then after that, it, it slides down, right? And then, mm -hmm. and it's a way for the client to be able to control costs, but still get something really great. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of little nuancey bits in there. Uh, and one of my favorites, and this is something you introduced me to, to, gosh, 10 years ago, is this idea of residual. Like a lot of times whenever you walk back into the office, the first day after your, your disability is over and you're like, I think I can do this. The moment you walk in the door, whether you're working at 100% or 50%, you're done. You're toast, mm -hmm. right? The, the check stop, right? So some of those other nuancey things that says, well, I can come back to work, but maybe I'm not full time but I'm right. easing back in, you at least still keep getting, you, you keep getting some money, right? So there's, right. and there's a thousand of those, right? A thousand of those little nuancey bits of it to, uh, to really craft it just like you want. Yeah, different carriers are definitely going to have different options on that standpoint. And those usually show up in the form of writers. So that residual right. income uh, is usually a writer that we see when, and sometimes we see that writer is bookmarked to the number of hours that you're able to work. And sometimes right. it has to do with the percentage of income you're able to recoup, depending on how you're actually getting paid, whether you're hourly or commissioned versus, you know, salaried or something of that nature. And so, right. you know, I think, I think being really clear on what that looks like is important because if you go back to work at all and you lose all of your benefits, but you aren't capable of working full-time or you aren't getting paid your full-time salary, that can be very, very detrimental. Um, right. You know, and then other ones, there are things like future increase options. So sometimes you can bake in that if you get raises and compensation without having to go back through the whole medical experience um, and right. underwriting, um, you can just automatically add in with proof of an increase of income. And, and that's important because actually I think in part, Eric, we may have like jumped into this in terms of here's what you can control without even explaining it. Yeah, that's a good a point. A disability insurance contract is really meant to be put in place so that if your income is not coming in because you've become disabled, that that income comes to you. And there are really two main types of contracts. 
one of them is group and the other is individually owned. And um, a lot of people get offered disability coverage of some sort from their office. And sometimes that's paid completely by their employer. Sometimes it is paid um, by the individual. And so typically what happens if you're paying the premiums yourself is that the benefits will end up being tax-free. But if your employer is paying for it for you, um, the benefits are usually taxable. And even if you're paying it and it's being deducted, you have to be sure you understand if it's being paid with pre-tax dollars or after-tax dollars, because if it's the after-tax dollars paying for your coverage, your benefits will be tax-free. But if it's pre-tax dollars paying for your coverage, then your benefits are taxable. And so that's a different amount of money in your pocket. So it's important to understand that. And just because you have a group a group policy doesn't mean you have full income replacement. It could be something where you have a group policy and you might need to layer on an individual policy. Um, And what I'll tell you is the group policies usually are not easily portable. So if you leave and you go somewhere that no longer has coverage, then you may be in a bit of a bind and you need a fully individual policy. But if you've gotten an individual policy, especially while you're young, then whether the company you work for has benefits or not becomes kind of irrelevant because you've locked that down. And it's really the protection of your ability to earn that's important here, because especially for young people or households where there is a single earner, um, that's that's oftentimes the biggest income producing asset, especially in the early stages. Right. Well, and we, we talk a lot about life insurance, but the only, the only way life insurance pays out is if you're dead. Right. Uh, if you're if you're not dead, but you can't work, it's almost worse because yeah. you're 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 not only not producing income, but you're an additional burden. Not not to be sort of morbid Jeez. about it, but yeah, <laughs> your some, expenses go up. Let's, your let's expenses go up, right? Yeah, I'm give you a paper cut for lemon juice on it here in a second, but no, but right. I mean, your your expenses go up, and and you've got no income coming in. And so the disability is sort of, in my opinion, drive a topic as it sometimes can be is super, super critical for families. And right. in, in that what if, like, if this happens, I need to make sure everybody's still functioning, right? We still have enough money to pay the bill. Right. And I want to go back to the writers, but I want to want I want to add one thing in. So if you want disability insurance, typically what the process looks like is you complete an application Um, and you do a medical exam, oftentimes they'll draw blood, make you pee in a cup, and then uh, the insurance company, whatever carrier you're applying with, is going to um, pull medical records from any doctor you've seen in the past five or 10 years, usually. And once they have all that information, they come back and based on your profession, your income for the past two years or so, um, and all of that medical data, then they will price that out. So it's um, that process usually takes anywhere from four to six weeks. If you have a complicated medical history, it might take even longer than that. Um, But it's important to understand that that's what happens. So when I talked about the future increase option, rather than having to go back through that entire process because you want right. additional coverage, all you have to do is send in, you know, last year's tax return or last year's <laughs> W-2, stuff, right? No. right? And then they say, great, write us a check and we'll give you the extra coverage. So something like that is really helpful because you don't have to reprove insurability and, um, right. and, and the cost is already kind of preset. So you aren't at risk if you wanted to add more Um, And another writer that I think is really important to understand, some companies do this as a writer, some do it based on the definition of disability. It really just depends on the company is, does the policy you're looking at cover things like uh, depression, 
or uh, mental reasons that you can't work? And does it cover things like addiction, right? If that causes the issue, because right. I will tell you that we see wide variances between carriers and options on that in particular. Yeah, and in that, and to, to land the plane back to the original triangle, for me anyway, I think the first big piece to solve in the, in the equation of trying to figure out disability and how much and, and what does that look like is really nailing down that contract piece. Like if it's, if it's the contract, how much I get paid and how much it costs, to me, the contract piece is really that first layer of want to design it just like it's supposed to be designed mm -hmm. and then figure out the other two. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. You want to know that you you want to understand what it is exactly that you're paying for. And another right. writer to think about, too, is do you want a cost of living adjustment? Do you want yeah, essentially an inflation writer? And oftentimes we see those at three, five or even six percent. And then you know, how long is the benefit going to be paid? Sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's five years, sometimes it's to age 65, and there are even contracts that will pay it to age 70. So really right. getting clarity on what's happening with the rest of your assets and what do you need to have in place in the event that something like that doesn't happen, right? And, and the thing is, I think these conversations are particularly hard because it's spending money on things that may not come to fruition Right. right. This is not the fun part of adulting <gasps> by any means. Right. Yeah. Let me just right. give you this check so that if something ever goes wrong, my family's okay. But I think part of what we have to really identify is that when you are building a financial plan or a financial strategy of any kind, um, it can't be based on hope. I hope everything works out. And right. if it does, I'm going to be in a great position. You need to build a plan that is based, that will work and work well if everything goes right. But part of the reason to do any type of planning or strategy building is to make sure that if life throws you a curveball financially, right. everything still comes out smelling like roses, right? Well, and the because way you designed it, the way you envisioned it. Yeah, because you don't want to have a disability and a financial crisis at the same time. One of those is plenty, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't want to compound the issues if you can avoid it. And so making right. sure that you've got the protection part taken care of is key. And, you know, Eric, oftentimes internally, we talk about it as building the moat around the castle. Yeah, I was right? just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to spend the time building your wealth, you want to make sure no matter what happens in your life that that wealth stays yours. And, um, and yes. I just want to add one more thing in this for the business owners who are listening, we oh, frequently yeah. see in business continuation plans or in buy sell agreements that include the event of a partner becoming disabled, that the definition of disability in the legal contract created by the attorney, and the definition of disability in the disability policy, don't always match. And that can right. create a situation where if a partner is disabled, legally, the company is required to pay benefits to that person, but right. the disability policy has a different definition of disability and might not be sending checks. So <laughs> it is really important if you have a business continuation plan to have that particular portion of it audited um, because it's something that shockingly, sometimes attorneys don't pull the language directly from the contract uh, that you've purchased and put it into 
the legal agreement. Right. So yeah, just so as that an they're aside, driving. if you need an audit of that, we can help. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think that's it though, but I, I, I think you, you hit two nails on that one is making sure that what you want to have happen in life is actually going to happen. And then setting up the boundaries that says, no, we've, we've set this up to actually happen like we want. Like make and making sure that those two visions of the world, uh, the vision of it and the actualities are actually meeting in the middle. And that comes with that moat, right? It's uh, someone once told me the high probability of low probability events is a real thing, right? Say I, that in English. Yeah, say that in English, <laughs> right? So I, uh, there's a uh, low probability I'm going to get struck by lightning tomorrow. There's a low probability, knock on wood, I'm going to get in a car accident. There's a low probability that something bad is going to happen. But there's a high probability that any one of those things is going to happen right. in my lifetime, right? We there, just don't know which one. I don't know which one it is, right? There's there's a high probability that something unforeseen uh, will happen, and so I need to build in defenses to kind of deal with that. You are morbid today. I am super morbid <laughs> all the time. Is it just coming out today? <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. Okay, if you have questions about uh, disability insurance, or if you want to go deeper into this topic. Uh, you can find me several different ways. You can go to the Wealth Woman website, which is just wealthwoman.com. You can find our company, which is Benchmark Income Group. Um, and that website is benchmarkincome.com. Um, and then you can find me on social media at The Wealth Woman. Eric, where can they find you? Yeah, social media as well. Uh, Instagram is economics with Eric. And I think it's the same on Facebook and, uh, and LinkedIn. It's just Eric Alexander. It's really simple. So hopefully we'll this has been entertaining. Thanks for <laughs> joining useful. us. Bye.